Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you've joined us for the episode. We're doing one on Acts chapter 16. Edwin, what's our text for today? We're going to be reading Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. I am reading from the English Standard Version. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So my question here is, Andrew, how did we get to Philippi? So I tell you what would be fun is if we had a video element to this podcast. No, it would not. Because, well, I mean, just for the sake of showing a map. I I think one of the things that's helpful when you're going through these missionary travels is, is to do it with a map and but anyway i'll just say we've we've we got just to slide a map over right up beside your head that's right that's right uh some of you um will get that so anyway <laughs> when you uh look at verse 12 that you just read so well we've come to town of philippi a leading part of macedonia and so macedonia here is this region uh which um historically we're talking about greece and the grecians and uh, there's a part that some of our listeners probably remember in the Bible in Acts 16 that's sometimes called the Macedonian call. But it's where in verses 9 and 10 of this chapter, the Apostle Paul had a vision at night, a man of Macedonia pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so there seems to be a, a you know, a, a divine leading that we need to go to a new place we've never been before into a new region we've not gone before to Macedonia. And because of that vision, they changed their travel plans a little bit. I'm not exactly sure what they were originally, but now they know they need to go to Macedonia. Well, I know that he tried a couple of different things, and the Holy Spirit apparently said no. It's not yeah, often well, hey, that we see right. in the Scripture where as the Holy Spirit is is directing that he said no as far as where they wanted to go preach the gospel, but he wouldn't let them go into Asia. Right. He wouldn't let them go into Bithynia. Right. And now we've got this call this call to go into Macedonia, which, of course, Philip of Macedon is who that's named after. Macedonia is Europe. We are specifically in that area of Greece, as you pointed out. And he gets over there, and he does what he always does. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's the Sabbath day, and whenever he goes into a town, he always wants to start by trying to reach out to the Jews. So this is interesting. He would go to a synagogue, but where's the synagogue? He doesn't go to one in this town of Philippi. My understanding is that for a town or village or city to have a synagogue, there had to be at least 10 Jewish males. So apparently, Mm -hmm. Philippi is low population of Jews. Okay. And so there's not a synagogue. So what he does is he goes to a place of prayer. And again, I'm relying on things I've read and studied on this, that oftentimes there would be 
places of prayer outside the city gates near a, a body of water because of some of the rituals and cleansing rituals that they would go through. For and the Jews. For the Jews, yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for the Jews. And so he heads out to, to the river because he thinks mm-hmm. that there's probably going to be a place of prayer here. We can't. Mm-hmm. There's no synagogue, but there will be a place of prayer. And sure enough, he gets there. And of course, there are some women, which which goes into the, the point that there has to be at least 10 men. And all he's finding here are women. So no synagogue. That's that's what you've okay. got going on. Okay. But now here's what fascinates me. Mm-hmm. He speaks and the person who responds is a Gentile. And I, I did not realize this for the longest time. This has actually been a new discovery for me. I've, I've really missed this. But, but Lydia, first uh-huh. of all, keep in mind Lydia. She's from Thyatira. Mm-hmm. She's not from Philippi. She's from Thyatira. By the way, guess where Thyatira is? It's in Asia, over there where he wasn't supposed to go speak. <laughs> See, if we had a map. <laughs> if we had a map. <laughs> so here's Lydia. Now, her name, her very name means from Lydia. You know, a Lydian. Lydia is a Gentile region. So, I mean, we're looking at this. But then the, the further thing is that, that where the ESV calls her a worshiper of God, mm-hmm. uh, some translations just say worshiping she God, but, the, God, but the, the word there is actually the word that has been used again and again and again. And in fact, every time in Acts is used to refer to Gentiles. Who were God fearers? The God fearer. The God fearers. That's okay. that's who this is. This is a God fearer. There's only one time when it didn't mean that, and that's actually when it refers to Gentiles worshiping Artemis. Okay. So it always is in reference to Gentiles who were worshiping God. They had not become full-on converts to Judaism, so they hadn't become full proselytes, if you will. Okay. But they were God fearers, so they they, they weren't. I mean, if, we, if we're going to have step-ups as far as the Jews were concerned, you know, they're still not Jews. Right. Okay. But, but hey, they're not as bad as all of the Gentiles. What we actually have here in Lydia is like a female Cornelius. I was just about to say, I was trying to think, okay, so who are some people we've met along the way that are in this God-fearer bracket mm-hmm. label? Cornelius came to mind. Cornelius is the main one up to this point. Okay. And we've got the the parallels here. Remember, of course, Cornelius hears the gospel. Right. And he and all his household believe. He had brought all that household together for Peter to come and preach to them. And here we have Lydia, and we're going to find the same thing. She and all her household are baptized. They all become believers, the whole mm-hmm. household. So, again, we've got this parallel in uh, we've got Cornelius— in Caesarea. Now we've got Lydia as the first convert in Europe, and she is a Gentile who is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, love the description. We're given just a little bit more information about her, that she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. And I just think that's impressive that in a culture and a time that we'll just say it's fairly male dominant uh here's a fairly fairly, uh here's a woman of commerce and business uh importing and exporting dyeing fabrics and textiles that's fantastic yeah well and the purple of course was considered the the color of royalty yeah that's the rich rich color that's costly and expensive which explains a little bit about you know how she's able to be in philippi because she's obviously done very well so she's been able to transport her business from thyatira into Philippi. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, Thyatira was actually known for its um, 
commerce in the purple fabric and yeah. in the purple dyes. And so we see that she's been successful enough to move across the water, if yeah. you will, to get into Europe, to get into Macedonia, get into Greece. But in all of this, she is a God-fearer. She has learned something about God, Yahweh, among the Jews, and she is giving some allegiance to him. And now, when the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ comes, she is the one, out of all the women at this place of prayer, she is the one that responds. Now, we, as we're going through Luke, there is no doubt in my mind that Luke is trying to let us know, because it's going, excuse me, we're now going, going through, through Acts. Acts. Right. Now we're going through Acts. As we're going through Luke's writings, Luke gotcha. and Acts. Sorry, thank you for correcting me on that. Um, it, there's no doubt in my mind that he, we're going to get done with Acts and it's going to end with this message of judgment on the Jewish nation. That's that's where it ends. As Paul is in prison, and the very last thing he does is call to mind Isaiah 6 about the judgment that's going to come on them. And, of course, that's looking to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Sure. There's no doubt in my mind as we're walking every step of the way through Luke and Acts that Luke is is making an argument. He is stating the case for why that is going to happen. And here is another notch in the belt. Here's another step in that journey. Paul comes into Philippi. He heads out to the place of prayer. He wants to preach to the Jews. There aren't many Jews, but even when there aren't many Jews, it's not the Jews that respond. It's the Gentile. It's the God-fearer. It's the God-fearing Gentile hmm. that responds, which is exactly what has happened in so many places. Now, there are Jewish response. Mm-hmm. There are those among the Jews who turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we're seeing again and again and again and again is that it's it's moving to the Gentiles. There's going to be judgment upon the mm-hmm. Jews because of their rejection of Jesus Christ, and they continue it again and again and again. We certainly see that pattern going. Speaking of patterns, I think about some of these other echoes with Lydia you mentioned, and Cornelius. You know, you, you mentioned um, some of those parallels talking about her household as well as her making this conversion. And that word household is, I mean, it has a scope that would include servants, right, uh, and slaves perhaps. Um And then the hospitality at the end. Cornelius didn't want Peter to run off and leave after uh, they'd all become Christians. And here's Lydia saying, if you have judged me faithful, uh, she wants to have them. If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, verse 15. And so she persuaded us. Her hospitality then uh, provides a, a home base for Paul and Silas to continue preaching and evangelizing all of that community. And so uh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see about the conversion of this, this seller of purple, Lydia, here in Philippi. She and her household. We're going to notice that happening again, this idea of households being converted together. And that's because during this day and age, folks were much more community, group, family oriented than yeah. we are in our day and age. We're much more individualistic. And we are. Th- there are pros and cons to that. So the good news is today that if I am if I am teaching an entire family, it may be that the father says, no, that's not for me. But the mother says, yeah, I'm going to do that. And it doesn't cause the breakup of the family and it doesn't cause all kinds of turmoil because we're much more individualistic in, in this day and age of the of Act 16. Boy, that would not happen often. And it would be a big, big deal, which is why, of course, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about if a Christian and a non-Christian are married, because because that was actually a pretty uh, social faux pas for someone to just decide to become a Christian when the family wasn't going that way. Yeah. So we're seeing that happening here with Lydia. We're also going to see that with the Philippian jailer. We may talk a little bit more about that when we get to him. But this, that I just wanted to comment on that idea of where all the 
the family conversion comes from because they often did things together as a family. The, the great testimony for me is if this is the direction my family's going, it's it's probably the right thing. That was the argument. Yeah. Uh, today, again, pros and cons either side because back then, you know, if I got the head of the household, I converted the whole household. They're going to follow today, I can, today I can convert the head of household and everybody else may not follow. So that was yeah. a positive then, but the positive today is I might I might convert a child, a son, a daughter, even if the father and mother don't come along. So pros and cons either way. It's just pros and cons. Pros and cons. Maybe maybe you'd like to weigh in on that. Send us an email, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. What you're reading in Acts 16 or your thoughts about the culture shifts. We love to love to read the emails. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. But right now we're going to wrap up the episode with a word of prayer. Edwin. God in heaven, thank you very much for the time we've had to talk about your text, to think about your word. We are so grateful for the Corneliuses. We're so grateful for the Lydias. We're so grateful for their households. We're so thankful for the example that they have set for us of faithfulness, of the desire to surrender to you. And Father, we pray that we can walk in their footsteps as your children, that we would submit to you, surrender to your son, give our allegiance to him, that we would be faithful, that we would be a center ourselves, a home base ourselves for an outreach of your word and your work in our own communities. Help us, Father, to bring you the glory in all that we do. It's through your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.